This I Work For Him podcast is brought to you by the Pocket Testament League. Visit ptl.org for practical resources and encouragement to help you share your faith. ptl.org. Hey, thanks for tuning in to I Work For Him this afternoon as we broadcast you right out of Tampa Bay, but all over the country. But specifically, we want to do a shout out to all of our Tampa Bay listeners from north of Fort Myers to south of Ocala, all the way over to Disney, all over Jacksonville, St. Augustine, Folkestone, Georgia, and of course, the Hampton Roads area of Virginia. Martha, it's a Monday. People are excited because it's beautiful outside in some parts of the country <laughs> depends on where you're living and today, other parts of the country are uh, are in survival mode after snow and blizzards i mean i'm so jealous tell people while they're sitting there stuck in their homes up north how they can get a hold of us well you know what i just really want to um tell people about your blog we have the opportunity um every friday to send out some kind of a message to people that subscribe to our blog something from my heart and they're Yes, it is always from your heart. Based on one of the shows during the week. Exactly. And and or something that's going on. But one of the things that I just really want to encourage our listeners is the fact that attached to that blog email is the summary and the link for the last five shows of the week. So it's a great way for people to stay up to date, know what's going on, um, be able to share that with people and go, hey, here's a great resource I just heard about. Um, in fact, I believe that this will be a well-shared show when we're done with it today because this is one of my favorite topics, giving people the the um, ability to really know what they can do within their workplaces, within their um, legal abilities. So that's one of the – I'm, I'm excited for today's show, but if they sign up for the blog, they'll be able to get the link right in their, in their inbox at noon on Friday. So go to iworkforhim.com, click on the blog post – or the blog heading, and then you can subscribe. All right, perfect. Check us out online, iworkforhim.com. I work, the number four, him.com. I owe, I owe, it's off to work, I go. You know, that's the way that great song starts, sort of. <laughs> but anywhere in that song, does it say that the seven dwarves have to leave their faith at home? I believe the seven dwarves lived out their faith in their work every day, serving, you know, Snow White. That's what they were there to do. But do you Bring your faith with you to work? Do you even know what's legal for you in your workplace every day? As a business owner, as a government worker, do you have a right to share your faith, to live out your faith in the workplace without harassment? Today on I Work For Him, we talk with David Gibbs III from the National Center for Life and Liberty about what are your rights in the workplace and how do you maximize living out those rights with the sensitivity of additionally loving all of those around you. One of our top 10 guests of all time, <laughs> David Gibbs III, welcome back to I Work For Him. Jim, it is always a delight. I love your energy. I love your program. And you know, we live in a crazy world, don't we? Whether it's the Seven Dwarfs or anybody, it <laughs> seems like they want to force your faith into the closet, and then they want everybody else, whether it's a sexual minority or some type of bizarre conduct or other rights or identities that people want to claim, they want to shout that we have the right to voice and to be outspoken and to, in a sense, force you to deal with what we want to share, but yet you want to mention church, God, Bible, Jesus, and all of a sudden people are like, oh, that's inappropriate. And so uh, we're watching the 
faith in the workplace be challenged constantly. And I love your heartbeat that everything you do, uh, whether it's working or any part of your life, is to be done for him and empowering good people, people of faith, to say, you know what, I don't want to be obnoxious, I don't want to be a bad testimony, but I want to dramatically live my faith everywhere. What are the rules? What are the guidelines? And we love to give good people good information because guess what? They can go make good decisions. Mm. You know, this is a, 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 a show talking about our rights in the United States of America to live out our faith wherever we go. I mean, Thomas Jefferson wrote that letter to the Danbury Baptist Association about protecting the church from the state. But, you know, that's been a little twisted in the last several dozen years. But I just read an article. I don't know if you saw this, but a street preacher in London got arrested over the weekend. And he got arrested for preaching on a street corner. They took his Bible and said, you are breaching the peace by sharing that people don't want to hear what you have to say. You need to go home. That's where we're heading in this country. Everything happens in Europe always happens a year later. How did this all get so turned around where everybody's got a right to say whatever they want to say, but we as Christians continue to be more and more silenced every day? Well, Jim, you're laying out you know, a shocking sadness, really. American law is based on the English common law and free speech and freedom of religion, the right to publicly express your faith. Uh, clearly, somebody can't stand in the middle of the road and create a problem, but we've always said that if <laughs> That's you... That's not true. They did that, all those marches all over the place in the mid-2015s, you know, they were blocking freeways. Well, <laughs> They and, had to and, do whatever. Now, it wasn't Jesus followers doing it, but they didn't get in trouble. Well, you know, and it, that is a bizarrity, because we allow almost what you might call quasi-terrorist-type tactics. You know, I'm going to storm, I'm going to block a door, I'm going to block ingress and egress. And it seems like because we're scared, you know, I mean, really even taking the whole... NFL kneeling situation. I mean, people are using their workplace and their uh, status on television to voice a message, and everybody's a little nervous. What do we do? How do we handle it? But then you turn around and say, all this guy wanted to do was share his faith on a street corner. For that to happen in England, you're absolutely correct. Um, I'm litigating right now in North Carolina the identical issue. Uh, two brothers, they make it their calling to go out and share their faith at festivals and other things. Uh, no amplification, nothing. They just want to preach the Bible and preach Jesus. And they're being criminally charged in this country. So we are watching where if we don't like the message, you know, and, and what are the messages they don't like? Well, that the Bible is authoritative. People are like, no, 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 I don't want a book tell me what to do. I want to do what I want to do. Or that there's only one way to heaven, that there's faith. You know, there's a right way and a wrong way. And people are like, no, 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 no. You know, I don't want to hear that there's just one way or that there's only a way or a faith way. I want to be able to kind of live my life my way without any consequence. And so once you start confronting people with what you and I would call the Christian worldview, the fact that there is a God, that he's revealed himself in his book and his son, all of a sudden people resist that and they want to exalt their own opinion, which is really leading to some of the anarchy that we're watching in our culture. So those guys in the Carolinas, what did they get arrested for? Um, same sort of dynamic, you know, that they, they they're were, at a festival. So that's like a private occasion or was it on public property? No, public, wide open public, um, the, disturbing the ambience and the noise. And I mean, now understand this is a, a festival with liquor and activity. It's an outdoor event. Okay. So, I mean, this is not exactly, you know, clearly you can't go into somebody's business and be disruptive, but when you're in a public place, you should be able to share your faith or share your politics or share whatever viewpoint you have. And what it is, is overt hostility. 
um, actually, some of the dynamic we're hearing in this case is, well, you know, if those preachers are around, that's going to hurt the liquor sales, <laughs> and we don't want to, you know, we, we don't want people feeling bad, you know. So, that, you know, we don't want them actually thinking about God, family, driving safe, you know, those kind of things. So, <laughs> you know, responsibility, you know, being being careful, you know, judicious. So, we live in a world though where there's an overt hostility. I mean, I was. Um, on the phone today with an attorney from Missouri, represents a county there. Um, you know, there was a lady that just had a little Bible verse on her desk, and they put in God we trust up on the wall, and they're now being threatened with litigation by a national organization. And so it's hostile when you want to even put the simplest of expressions of faith in the workplaces, whether it's in our government or private sphere. So, David, how did you become so passionate about fighting for the rights of Jesus followers? You know, I went to law school. I'm an old uh, 1993. Which is good because you're an attorney. Yeah, well, <laughs> so I, you didn't, get, you didn't get one get of those. You know, no, I, 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 no mail order. I, I, I went to Duke, and, and we're <laughs> approaching March Madness. So, you know, and I explained God doesn't like red devils, but blue devils could be translated God's chosen team. But anyway, <laughs> moving off of that, on to um, I went to law school not to go into business but to help people. I'm probably a frustrated social worker, Jim, and uh -huh. uh, what I wanted to do was to make a difference in the lives of helping people. And I believe if you help real people with real problems, you can lead a very fulfilled life and accomplish the will of God in your life. So I viewed legal education as the ability to help people know what their rights are and to live their faith. And I believe we're in a world right now where a lot of people are being sold, like you said, the separation of church and state or other things, they're being sold a lie. Mm. Uh, we live in a culture that's loaded with lies. One lie that your show stands against every single day is that your faith should stay at home. You mm. should leave it in your car. You should leave it at your house. You shouldn't take it in your workplace. That is a lie. It's a violation of your rights and our Constitution and your freedom, but that is a lie that's permeated our culture. David Gibbs from the National Center for Life and Liberty about what are your rights in your workplace and I just encourage you to go out to his website and check it out, ncll.org, ncll.org. No, it's not had nothing to do with basketball, but you brought up this Blue Devils thing. That just that just seems wrong in so many places, so many ways. And there's a lot of people listening here in Florida that aren't real happy with Duke. So you know, I understand. Well, and and I will just say and, this: and basketball has no eternal significance. I went to law school a long time ago. So, you did. You know, I, I, you know, did they have running water when you were doing that? Well, or? I, Moses and I were class. Moses and, uh, and you were and, and they, they used to talk about the years back when you were there. So that was a long time ago. You know. <laughs> okay. Oh. I, well, let's just let's give a plug to the National Center for Life and Liberty. Talk about the kinds of cases that you guys like to take on and you like to represent. Because on your website, it talks about parental rights. It talked about, I think it talked about homeschooling rights. It talked about, I know it talks about rights in the workplace. What are the kinds of things you like to have? Well, we obviously are wanting to help people. We don't want to invent cases we want to step into real situations and make a difference so we believe in defending the church <laughs> what do you mean you don't want to invent cases well there are groups that actually go out liberal groups tend to do this and they invent cases they look for ways to advance the law or try to do things and they actually sort of push something forward and uh, we believe in actually standing up the answer for this country is uh, not in a courtroom it's not in the government house it's not even in the white house regardless of who sits there it is in the church house so we oh, want I don't to know if it's in the church house it's in the hearts and minds of jesus followers 
Well, I, we will agree, but that would include the church. Okay. So, You're so, very disagreeable today. You're like, that's not right. He's kind of cranky. Do? I think I'm going to talk to you, <laughs> I Martha. Think let's I'm enjoying that. Let, let, let's have some coffee. <laughs> and if you could send your assistant into the other room, we'd be able to get some things done on this show. But no, uh, but uh, with all of this, um, you know, and, and by the way, if you ever feel harassed in your workplace, you've got an attorney you oh, can call at any point. I, I'm so glad. I just, I'm going to plug you in. I, I just want to let you know just because you're married to him, hostile work environment can't exist. So I just oh. want to make sure. Well, that's clear. <laughs> but uh, co- coming back to the, the dynamic, we want to yes. help uh, people of faith, churches, ministry leaders, uh, individuals. Uh, we just uh, represented this last week, a, mm-hmm. a law enforcement officer who was demoted, almost lost his job because uh, he invited his coworkers to church. And we just believe that's wrong. We, you should be able to walk into your workplace and say, hey, there's an event over here. It was actually a sportsman's banquet. And you should be able to come to this. And if they want to come, they do. If they don't, they don't. But uh, crazy as it might seem, even in the great state of Florida, if he'd announced that he is no longer going to be a man, he wants to be a woman, oh, that's all protected because we're enlightened. If he said, hey, let me tell you about all the crazy, you know, sexual things I did last night or the drunkenness or whatever, oh, that would all be just, you know, uh, locker chat. You know, it's all okay in the workplace. But God or religion or a church event, all of a sudden, that's inappropriate. And so we try to stand against that and make sure that a certain degree of fairness uh, stays mm-hmm. in the culture. Because uh, there is tremendous unfairness when you look at what is going on uh, in our culture with regard to faith. Uh, people don't want to be confronted uh, with the reality that uh, there is a God who made them and he has well, No, because it makes them feel guilty. And as long as they deny God, that the existence of God... And that G- Jesus actually lived, which is so much proof, and that the, they deny the Bible, then they can live however they want to live. But when they re- all of a sudden take into consideration that God exists, all of a sudden there's guilt, and it impacts how they live. So as long as they can keep pushing off to the side. But are we losing ground, David? Are we losing ground in this fight for the rights yes, of Jesus' followers? We are. We are. And I'll tell you why. Um, we are losing ground because the people of faith have been so silent. Mm-hmm. Okay, we are living in a culture right now where Christian people are comfortable living in the closet. You know, in the closet's kind of a comfortable place to be. No controversy, no fear of rejection, no hostility. You know, you're going to go to heaven when you die because hell sounds bad. So you're going to, you know, you're not a bad person. You can go to church or hang out with your friends. And when you're with your Christian friends, you can, you know, put a little spiritual word in. But now all of a sudden you're going to be around your coworkers. You're going to be around unsaved people. You're actually going to go be salt and light. Ah, I don't know. It's probably just a little easier if I just get back here in the closet and sort of keep that to myself. And as we've grown quieter, and, and Jim, partly what I love about what you and Martha are doing is you're encouraging people to open the door, stick your head out, be yourself, be true. Because as we've stayed so silent, we've allowed these other voices to completely fill the vacuum. And whether it's in the schools, whether it's in the workplaces, whether it's in the media or the culture, uh, God's people need to speak up and let their voices Mm. be heard. And that's one of the reasons I absolutely love having you on our show, because our listeners don't know how to speak up. They have been told by people, you don't have any rights, This is, you're not able to do this, and so we get scared. We think, if I say anything, I might make a mistake. I might end up in jail, and I don't know what I can and can't do. So my first question is, are there resources on your website for just the curious, the people that are just saying, you know, what, what, well, what can I do? Uh, you know, I don't even know 
Um, like when I walk guide? in the door, what for? A cheat sheet anything. Guide? What? Well, and let me say a couple of things. Yes, we do have resources. And at, at the ministry, one of the things we do, because everybody's a little factual specific. You know, somebody says, well, can I do this? Can I do that? Well, right. sometimes it depends on the facts. You know, sure. you've got to look at the situation. Um, but if people call our office, we will, at no charge to them, we do this as a ministry, we will evaluate their situation. We'll give them sample policies or guidelines. So we try to be a pretty good repository of information and encouraging people to bump back when they run into these type of situations. Now, you know, here's the two things we always find. You know, you, you have to, number one, ask for things in writing because, you know, somebody will say, you know, I got fired for witnessing at work. And you go, oh, that sounds terrible. Well, can we see the paperwork? Mm -hmm. You know, and the paperwork says he was late 42 days in a row. And you say, well, were you late? Well, I was having trouble getting up. But, you know, when my boss was firing me, I said, you need Jesus. You know, we have to explain <laughs> to him, you weren't really terminated for mm -hmm. your witnessing. You were terminated because you were a lousy employee. So making sure people understand that Christians should be model employees. You have to do your Amen. job. You they should be people of excellence. You, you can't just take your faith and use that as a cloak and say, I'm being persecuted. Yeah. So I want to hang on those two points because I want to make sure everybody knows we're talking with David Gibbs III from the National Center for Life and Liberty. Find him online, nclll.org, National Center for Life and Liberty, nclll.org. Check him out. And when we come back after the bottom of the half hour, we're going to go through some very specific rights that you and I have to live out our faith and work. But we're talking about a couple of things. A couple of things you said, David, are really important uh, when you're considering a case. Number one, the facts. Absolutely. Make sure you're right. You know, that's always embarrassing. Have you ever gotten a big argument and you go, oops, I was wrong? Yeah. That's a little yeah, embarrassing. all so, the time. So I, I always say to folks, you know, make sure you're right. Make sure you're right factually. Make sure you're right biblically. Number two, do it the right way. You know, sometimes, you know, people want to go in their office and tear things up. And you're like, wait a minute, is that really the right way? Did you go to management? Did you ask HR? Did you have a conversation? Because, you know, you can't be disruptive to the culture of your place. So make sure you do the right stand, do it the right way. But then number three, and I always challenge this, make sure you do it with the right spirit. Mm. What do you mean? Well, when you come into, I mean, let's be candid. You take like a right to work state, you know, bosses don't like to put up with pain in the neck people. I mean, if you're not valued, if you just come in and you're like, I think you're doing this wrong and I think you're violating my right, you know, and all of a sudden they just start to, I call it like Charlie Brown's teacher on the old uh, TV show. <laughs> they just hear the noise, <laughs> but, wah, 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 wah. but they are not hearing what you're saying. Mm -hmm. And so what I always encourage folks is make sure your spirit is one where you're willing also to listen. Um, sometimes if you say, help me understand or do we have a policy? Or would you have a problem with this? You know, I was thinking of putting a Bible verse up, and somebody said that wasn't allowed. I don't want to do anything that's going to make a problem, but it, can you help me understand why that's not? And all of a sudden, you might have a superior that goes, you know what, I like this guy, I like his spirit, I like her spirit, and we can work with them. Whereas if you come in and you're just you know, constantly like, um, you know, scratching uh, fingernails on a chalkboard and people are like, oh, right. the tension just when this person's in the room, well, they're going to find other ways to get rid of you. Yeah. Okay, but let me just, let me just, I don't know, say something I probably shouldn't say. No, wait, as legal <laughs> wait, wait, counsel, wait. should I stop you? <laughs> no. Should I halt on the no. advice of legal counsel? Don't go over the edge. The, the other side doesn't play that way. The other side does come in and it is raucous and and they're pushy and they're they're i mean they're so how do, and they get noticed and they get what they want in the workplace so how do how do you balance that because the uh, when people are are battling for their rights to do what they want to do 
How do we balance that? And I, and I and I ask this all sincerity because as Christ followers, I do believe we should be the number one employees in every position that we represent. We should be the the biggest, the best, the brightest, and our behavior should should display that. But sometimes people just ignore us just because of our faith, and it's easy to be shut down. How do we get? How do we do this in a way where we don't just go? Oh, I got a little pushback. I, I back out. Well, I think there's a balance, Jim, and, and I'm, you know, I'm a trial attorney, and I mean, sometimes you have to go to government agencies, whether it's the EEOC, or you have to go to court, you have to fight for your rights, but you also got to be careful that your spirit is such, whether you win or lose, in court or in a workplace, your testimony is always tied to your spirit, and making sure you have a spirit where the Lord will look at you one day and say, well done, to me is always important, regardless of the outcome we face down here. David Gibbs III from the National Center for Life and Liberty about what are your rights in your workplace? Too many, too many. Martha and I have talked with thousands of Jesus followers around the country, and it's almost ridiculously consistent. They think they don't have a right to share their faith at work, to live out their faith at work. Isn't that right, Martha? Well, it is. And and, and I think your second point there, just even living out their faith. I think they're so afraid of what could happen um, to their job, their position, their authority, whatever, that they that they just keep quiet, like we talked about at the beginning of the show. You know, David, I mentioned, and, and Martha didn't like this, but it's okay. I mentioned in the <laughs> last segment that, you know, the opposition uses militaristic approaches to push their agenda. They do. Yet that is not the approach. that, And I did this kind of as a devil's advocate kind of thing because he needs all the help he can get. Uh, <laughs> but we as Jesus followers, that is not the approach that we're to take. Well, I don't believe that. I don't like the term like activists or where we get angry or Mm -hmm. obviously there are things that as Christians we should be concerned about. We should be willing to stand. But I'm a big believer in your spirit is your testimony and that when whether it's in a workplace, let's put on the table. You might win the right to have your Bible study. But if you're so obnoxious, nobody wants to go. You've kind of failed. (laughs) It wants to point. And if, if everybody at work goes, oh, they're he is or she is and you know they want to treat you like the the weird religious kook that got your whatever right in place but they've lost all respect for you so i think you know part of it is you can have the right but you really have the influence then afterwards and that is your testimony i mean if somebody says you know can you share jesus christ in the workplace well people have to look to you as somebody that they're willing to talk to and so i think that's martha's point that's very well taken which is we should be the people where we're not the slackers we're not the people that are late we're not the people that they kind of trying to figure out how do we get off the payroll and you know tighten up the bottom line Mm -hmm. we should be the people that they'd be like man i'd take 10 more of them if i could find them yeah you know it kind of reminds me jim of that whole philosophy that we talk about um love and respect from emerson egrich you can be right but wrong at the top of your voice i'm a parent i can walk in and say to my kid you know you're dumb as a box of rocks well wait a minute i'm the parent i have the right to teach i might be right But the reality is there I'm doing it with a horrible spirit. I'm hurting that child. Even though in a lot of ways you say, well, parents should be able to say what they need to say. You need to realize your spirit is your yeah. testimony. But and our kids so, never forget the stupid stuff we say. And and by the way, that can be one comment. Like you, you know, we forget that genetically that kid's fifty percent you if you're the biological <laughs> parent. But oh, no, the reality sometimes, is sometimes whatever get whatever you say to yeah. them, that will haunt you for the rest of your yeah. life. And so that's why I always say to whether it's parents, whether it's a workplace, whether it's a church situation, whether it's interpersonal of any nature. 
uh, recognize your spirit will be what people remember. Mm -hmm. Somebody might go, well, David Gibbs, I heard him speak somewhere. They may not remember much of what I say. We live in a world where people will have information disappear, but they'll always remember the spirit. The spirit of your program is the energy, the encouragement, the challenge, the good information. And there's a spirit to it that people can sense. And I just remind folks, whether it's in the public schools with your kids, whether it's in the home, whether it's in the workplace, make sure that your spirit is one that you say, you know, would I like me if I had to put up with me? And that's a hard question. That's a great point. That's a hard thing sometimes to think about. All right, we're talking with David Gibbs the third from the National Center for Life and Liberty. Check them out online, ncll.org, ncll.org. All right, David, let's talk about our rights in the workplace as Jesus followers, because there is, we have protected rights by our Constitution, but those constitutional rights don't necessarily, don't necessarily apply in all situations. Let's just start with, um, I don't know, you pick. Okay, let's hit, no, I'll pick. Government workers. What kind of rights do government workers have to live out their faith in the work? Well, let's talk with local city and state government workers, and then deal with federal workers. And let's make it nice and easy. Okay. Okay. All government workers are covered by the Constitution. Now, you made one comment, Jim, that I'll gently push back on. Don't don't worry about being gentle. Well, (laughs) why would you start now? Go for it. In the private workplace, you have no constitutional rights. So people Mm. need to understand only the government can take away your free speech and freedom of religion under the Constitution. That's why government employees, government workers, have a special privilege. Actually, they have more protection in some regards because the government cannot deny you your speech or religious rights. So uh, regardless of what level you are in the government, you have free speech, freedom of protection, uh, freedom of religion. But what you cannot do in the eyes of the government, is use your government position to advance one religion at the expense of another. And so it's kind of an odd balance. So I have my right to speak, and I have my right to um, worship and, and to be treated fairly as a government worker, but I can't now take my government office and use this as a platform for proselytization. So there's always a balance in terms of how it's done. So you have to look at the situation. Um, can you um, take your taxpayer's office and decorate it and says, you know, Jesus saves, Jesus is the only way to heaven, and just make everybody that comes in to pay their taxes has to get your religious message. Most people would say, no, that's using your government office to promote your message. So they're always looking at the context. Are you promoting to the general public through the government, or is this something that you are doing personally? Now, coworker to coworker, fully protected in your private realm, fully protected. So government workers do have lots of legal protections as long as they are not flipping the government to become a promoter of their personal viewpoint. That was the point behind the separation of church and state. We didn't want the government getting involved in religion. We wanted to protect religion from the government. And Jim, that's religion-wide. I want to make sure this isn't just Christian, so somebody can't use the government office to promote a Muslim ideology, a Jewish ideology, a Catholic, any any religion at all, okay, or even an atheist ideology. I mean, the reality is you are not to use the government to promote one religious viewpoint at the expense of another, And, and that leads to some interesting cases, but on the government side, there's lots of constitutional protections. Now, when you flip over to the private side, okay, now we're talking there's no government employer. You're dealing with private businesses. Um, There's a size delineation. Big business, little business. And the line is 15 employees. If you're over 15 employees, you are under what we call Title VII, which is the Civil Rights Act that was actually passed in the 60s. And under Title VII, it says that you can't discriminate based upon 
things religion. So large employers do have a statutory basis, they can be sued if they don't, to treat religious employer or employees similarly. So, for example, they couldn't say we're only going to hire this religion, not that religion, or that would be a violation of Title VII. So um, there are lots of Title VII protections that are in place. And so if you're in a large company, a lot of times you want to see what the policies are. Because what I find oftentimes, large companies will have good policies and bad managers. So what you really have is somebody who's not truly following the policy. And I often tell folks, you know, your culture lives through your policies. So if you can drive people back to your policies Mm -hmm. and say, here are the rights we have. So, you know, you come in and say, we'd like to have a Bible study in conference room A before work starts. And the manager goes, no, that's not allowed. No Bible around here. Okay, that's not the policy. That's a bad manager, okay, who's not aware of the policies. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes when you drive people back to HR, corporate, legal, and you find these policies, a lot of times they're fairly fair and balanced and they can be helpful for your rights. Hmm. Okay, those are big organizations. Now, the majority of this listening audience is in areas of Florida and Virginia that the majority of the businesses that they work in are small. Small. Uh, I mean, Tampa Bay and Jacksonville are full of small businesses with under 20 employees. majority of them have under 15 employees. Talk to me about that environment as a business owner and then talk about my rights as an employee. Well, and I will give kind of the the basics for small um, offices, small businesses, 15 and under, 14 and under. So Uh, it's 14 and under, 15 and above. You got it. And and so basically, first of all, as the business owner, you have lots of freedom. Okay, now what I mean by that is you can use your business to kind of promote your faith, your ideology. You can, you know, really whatever the market will allow. So if you want to put, you know gospel tracks and with every invoice you mail that's your right to do it if your customers get mad that's your consequence (laughs) but you have lots of freedom okay Mm -hmm. um where you start running into trouble as a um small uh, business owner is if your employees um were to say well we're feeling uncomfortable um and we feel like you're forcing us into some type of religious ideology but as long as you keep it fairly relaxed. I mean, you know, you say, hey, we're going to have chapel. We want everybody to come. You know, you are completely within your right to do that. You know, so as long as they don't feel like it's hostile or you're creating this, you know, oppressive workplace, as long as you kind of do it with a smile, you're almost unlimited in what you can do in your workplace. Now, so let me just ask a real quick question for our listeners' sake. So this intrigues them. Maybe they're an owner and maybe they've gotten some pushback. If they really don't know, if they don't have clarity about what they can do, that's where you're saying your NCLL is a resource for them. They can reach out to us and we will gladly talk with them as a resource. But also I will tell them this as they're listening and thinking about this. They have more rights than they realize. Mm-hmm. The question is, do they have the... Um, fortitude, the desire, the want to, to do it. So if you say, okay, look, we're, I'm going to bring in a, a speaker. I want to bring in my pastor. I want him to motivate my employees. And I'm willing to pay my employees to sit and hear this as a motivational chat. That's completely legal. You can do it. I mean, you can make your employees sit there and hear a sermon if you're willing to do that as part of your business. Just make sure that you're not doing it in some way that would be deemed as you know overtly hostile. So right. if you know, you know one guy's cheating on his wife i wouldn't recommend that you you know announce that to the whole place and point at him because then you could create a you know potential claim that you've humiliated him or Hmm. embarrassed him but as long as it's done with a smile you have a lot of rights as a christian business owner now the reverse side just so you're aware the employees 
are a little soft on rights in the small businesses. So, you know, if they want to hire their brother-in-law and let you go, you need to realize you're, that's part of small business. There's a lot of flexibility. That's why it's so important that you make yourself a valued model employee yeah. and work in such a way. No matter that, where you are. Well, no matter where you are, but if somebody were to call me and say, hey, I was in this little three-man shop and they let me go and they brought this other guy in, I want to sue. Uh, as a general rule, you're not going to have a claim. I mean, unless there's just something that we can really point to that would be extreme. Mm -hmm. Generally speaking, small business owners under our economic and legal system are given a lot of latitude to make those business decisions. Sure. All right. So the small business owner, though, with 14 or under employees, they can actually, can they discriminate on the people they hire? Can they actually just hire Christ followers? You know, interesting. Not that I would recommend it, but could they? Yes, they could. Legally, they would be able to do that, just like they could hire family members, just like they could say, this is a woman-only office, but just like they, they would have those abilities okay. to incubate their business. So if somebody were to say, you know, I'm opening up a little hair salon, I just want women, well, that's discrimination if it's a big chain. But a small business can do that. Well, and there's no real reason to actually run a business as a Jesus follower and hire all only Christians. Because where's the outreach in that? Where's the ministry in all of that? There's so much opportunity there to touch the lives of the employees and, and provide for them. This conversation with David Gibbs III, we've had it many times over the last six years. It's one we need to repeat, 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 rinse, repeat, repeat, repeat. <laughs> it's it's unbelievable. What are your rights in the workplace? What do we have? What are What's guaranteed? What's okay? And I think David Gibbs has made it so point the point so many times. You know what? We've got rights to do a lot of things, but if your attitude sucks and your work ethic sucks, nobody wants to hear what Jesus is doing in your life. You as a Jesus mm. follower, he didn't use either of those words, by the way. Uh, <laughs> but Just as Jesus followers, I, I got the point. As <laughs> Jesus followers, we should be the best. The most excellent people in our position in our workplace. People should be going. I want ten of David Gibbs the third in my office. Yep. Not. I can't wait for David to retire because he, he won't shut up. David <laughs> Gibbs the third from the National Center for Life and Liberty. Um, well, Martha, you had a point. You had a problem with something I said, right? Well, as you out. just said that there's no reason that anybody should hire all Christ followers in an organization. And my only thought there was, you know, if you're a Christian counseling office sure. or, or something like that, where you, or a church where you are wanting everybody well, to portray. And let me jump into there yeah. very quickly. Religious employers have the right to hire only religious employees who mm -hmm. comport with their faith. For now we do. For now we do. But, for example, there are churches that, for example, would not allow like a lady to hold the senior pastor teaching position right. by their doctrine. Um, and a Catholic church, you know, you got to be a man to be a priest. Okay, all of that is illegal but allowed if it's a religious organization practicing their sincerely held religious beliefs. Uh, most Christian organizations start with an illegal question. Are you saved? Okay, but because it's a religious organization that wants to counsel or crisis pregnancy center, crisis right. pregnancy center, do you believe in life? Well, if you go, well, no, I'm pro-abortion. Well, they would deny your ability to serve there. Right. And people might say, well, that's discriminatory. No, mm -hmm. you can require in a religious spiritual organization, you can require people to affirm the faith of the entity. Okay, thank you. All right, that was a, that was a good point. So, okay, teachers listening to the show today, they just got off work. They're heading home. And let's call them public school teachers. Public school so teachers. So we're out of the Christian school. Okay, we're all right, in the that's public fine. school. Good point. Yes. Well said. What are their rights? Uh, first of all, they're government employees. So they have free speech, freedom of religion. Um, with their coworkers, with adults, with others, they are free to speak, share. 
Um, but it comes down to children. Okay, now they're in the classroom. Anybody under 18? Well, but anybody they have influence over. Mm. Okay, they're there as, the, you know, the imperture of authority. This is the government teacher. Okay, they're allowed to answer questions. So if a child walks up and says, hey, my friend just died. What do you think happens after somebody dies? Mm. Teachers can answer questions. Um, they can share from personal experience. Uh, they can encourage dialogue in the classroom. But what teachers should not do under how folks interpret our Constitution is use their position as a teacher to advance one religion at the expense of another. And good teachers are good at this. They're able to have good dialogues with their students, to share, but not to be in there saying, okay, I want to stand up and tell you here's what you have to do and you know have a little prayer time in the classroom. And by the way, that shouldn't be an Islamic teacher. That shouldn't be anybody else of a different faith. shouldn't be a Christian teacher. Um, using the government resources to uh, force religion at the expense of others. But good Christian teachers can be that salt, light, certainly with adults. A lot of single parents come in. You can minister to them. I often recommend to uh, public school teachers, have some books on hand. Um, you know, here's a book on, you know, what must I do to be saved? Or here's a book on finances. Or here's a book on excelling in business that has mm. a good Christian testimony. And, you know, very rarely will people turn down a free book. If you say, hey, you know, would you, if I give you a book, would you, and oh, yeah, boy, that'd be nice. And you're able to hand them something. That's a great testimony. And it's really kind of an expensive gospel track, really, because you're able to give them something that could bless them. Doesn't have to be expensive. It could be right from the pocket testimony. Well, that's what I was going to ask. Do they have, is it okay to give them a gospel of John? Yes. And say, would you, you know, is this, this yes. is something I think that would help you? But they can't give it to a kid. Well, if the kid asks for it, there's some argument that they could. They can't overly, they, they couldn't stand up in class and say, hey, everybody, this book, everybody here has to read and believe sure. and affirm. Now, here's interesting, if we really want to get deep and you've got smart listeners, you can teach the Bible academically in the public school. So if you said, we want to read the Gospel of John for a literature course, that would be absolutely legal, permissible, discuss it, who is the author, why did he write it, what does this mean, and you could definitely have discourse as long as you as the teacher are not espousing it at the expense of other religions. So I do challenge teachers, you know, again, don't be in the closet when it comes to faith. I mean, the Bible is the all-time best-selling book of ever okay right. whether you affirm it as the word of god or not it's literature it's history it's a document that's impacted both uh christian and uh, uh israel and judaism and, and the world yeah. and so the imperature of to allow children to learn about it uh, should be something that should be done now we there's liberal legal groups out there and they'd be like oh you can't mention god bible jesus and they're going to say get back in the closet and that's where i challenge folks to be <laughs> and that they've been doing that life. very successfully for 60 years yes and and by the way lots of christians are like well i'm three years from retirement i don't mm -hmm. think i'm going to push it and i will say there will be moments where you're going to have to decide is it the dollars or is it the principles uh, no no wait, wait. That, that's the wrong that's the wrong argument is it the dollars or is it your lord I mean, isn't that really, it's not principles. I mean, is it, mm. if you're a Jesus follower, everything about you should radiate Jesus. Now, not in an offensive, obnoxious manner. You still should be the number one employee. I mean, love should flow out of you. Generosity should flow out of Everybody should be attracted to who Jesus is in you. It should not be a question of, is it my dollars or my principles? That's, that's a worldly argument. But I think I agree with you, but I will say this. There's gonna <laughs> I agree be, with you, but. Well, but I mean, here's the bottom line. A lot of people will call my office and say, okay, I have the right to do this, but it might cost me. Mm -hmm. And they count the cost 
and tragically, a lot of people look at retirement, job, financial security as being more important to them yeah. than their sincerely held religious beliefs. And, and maybe we could even say how sincerely held are their yeah, religious that's right. beliefs. But the bottom line is there are folks that just say, you know what, I'm willing to compromise what I believe because it's in my economic interest. And by the way, Jim, just to fire you up a little more. Yeah, I'm already fired. Go, go <laughs> for it. Go for voters, it. I'm about ready to throw you out of here right now. <laughs> voters do that. Parents yep. do that. Pastors do that. I mean, a lot of pastors will stand up and they start to open the Bible and then they look at the people in the pews and they're like, well, if I preach on this, if I preach on that, You're and right. they start to compromise. <sighs> and by the way, so do a lot of radio hosts and a lot of other folks. They, they literally decide to um, move away from what they know to be right uh, for the sake of expediency. Okay, I want to mm, jump into some very. Point. It's a great point. That's a whole show. We should talk about that one day. <laughs> I, I want to talk. Give us if some I ever specific... get invited back. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll see how good. I'll invite you. Oh, good. <laughs> I, my, my new favorite. <laughs> give us, give us some rapid fire. Some case, some cases that you're arguing or that you've argued real recently uh, of workplace faith issues. Uh, let me hit issues because we'll go fast. Should you be able to invite your coworkers to church? You know, I believe, yes, a lot of people try to challenge that in today's world. Um, should you be able to not work on Sunday if you have a sincerely held religious belief against it? Uh, I believe, yes, there's a lot of folks that now say the Sabbath, Sunday, even if you're a pastor, ministry leader, that no longer matters. Um, do they have a duty to accommodate you? Um, are there things in your job? Uh, we see this, whether it's the marriage licenses or law enforcement assignments or other things. You know, Do they have a duty to accommodate your sincerely held religious beliefs? And more and more, we're watching in the workplaces where they say, you know, those religious beliefs, they're just too much trouble, and we're not going to work towards accommodation. The law is the reverse. You know, if you have a sincerely held religious belief and you let your employer know and they can accommodate you, they have a legal duty to do it. But it might be more work for them, whether it's a shift change or assignments or working through these issues. And so it's very important that you recognize, you know, you have to put them on notice and it has to be a real belief. If somebody says, well, I just don't want to do this. Well, you know, your personal want to is different than a sincerely held religious belief. All right. Give me give me a case that you've argued in the last year that was just really notable when it came to somebody living out their faith in their work? Um, I would say, um, you know, this one lady had been there for 20 years, and we won her case, and she um, had never worked Sunday, and a new manager came in and said, that's not fair. We're gonna, and she's like, I'll work every Saturday. I'll work every Monday. She prayed. She was one year away from retirement. Uh, they took away her job. They fired her. She uh. lost all her retirement and everything. But she said, you know what? My faith is what it is, and I'll live my faith and just deal with the consequences. Her and her family had, you know, obviously the catastrophic, you know, negative financial impact from all that. Uh, we went to court and uh, had a week-long federal trial, and she won. Wow. Whew. All right, so on your website, lots of resources, lots of uh, information. What's the number one thing they should go to on your website really quick? Uh, just go to the general website. You can email any questions. There's lots of resources up there. Uh, it's changing daily, ncll.org. We're headquartered here in Central Florida, but we serve the nation. And, uh, Jim, if anybody has a, a question or comment, they can come to your website. You can steer them into us. Absolutely. Because we are honored to partner with you. Believe in you and Martha, your voice, your leadership. And it's just my honor to be both your attorney and your friend. Great. Love that. Thank you, David Gibbs III from the National Center for Life and Liberty. Remember the most important point he made today. You've got rights, but if your attitude stinks and your actions stink, you're being 
we need to be Jesus followers. Everything about you should radiate Jesus. That's your number one right in the workplace. You've been listening to I Work Room with your host, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers. Our workplace, it's our mission field, but ultimately, I, I work, work for him. him.